Welcome to CropSense, presented by North Carolina Cooperative Extension. I'm Jacob Morgan, a field crops agent with North Carolina Cooperative Extension. Today, we have Dr. Rachel Van here to discuss soybean planting. Good morning, Dr. Van. Welcome back. Thanks, Jacob. Delighted to be here with you and excited as we get moving into Plant 22 for soybeans in North Carolina. So today is April 11th. And so could you talk a little bit about how the spring has gone so far and what that means as far as soybean planting? Sure. You know, I think we've had a, a moderate spring so far. There's been some dry periods and adequate soil attempts to get going. We've got a few growers that have planted already, but many, many growers have been calling and asking questions and indicating that they are going to get going planting soybeans in the third or fourth week of April. So I think that's exciting as we think about getting off to a good start here in 2022 with our soybean crop. So historically in North Carolina, we've started planting soybeans in May. And I think the last few years, people have definitely shifted earlier in their planting the soybeans. So are there any special considerations growers need for planting their soybeans earlier than they historically have? Yeah, that's a great question, Jacob. And there's a lot of interest, not only in North Carolina, but across the United States with planting soybeans earlier than they have historically been planted. And we've been doing a lot of research in this area at NC State and have found that we do need to modify some of our production practices when we're planting that early compared to planting in late May and June. And a couple examples of things that we found necessary with these early planting dates. First, we've done a lot of work with county agents across the state in an on-farm trial program that we have going on that indicates that when growers are planting before early May, we need to be using a fungicidal seed treatment to protect the soybean stand, try to prevent replant. And also in some circumstances, we've seen using a fungicidal seed treatment protect yield in North Carolina soybean production. So generally, you know, if you look at historical data, we haven't recommended using a fungicidal seed treatment in North Carolina soybean production, but that was at planting dates mid-May or later. If growers are going to be planting earlier than May, we now recommend using a fungicidal seed treatment, but continue to emphasize that an insecticidal seed treatment is not necessary regardless of planting date in North Carolina soybeans. Using an insecticidal seed treatment unnecessarily, you know, is not only a waste of money, but can also intensify resistance issues for other crops. So as growers think about planting earlier, we need to think about protecting these beans from early season seedling diseases when they might sit in the ground longer before they emerge. Also, as we think about planting earlier, in our research plots over the past few years where we've been planting really early, let's say late March, first week of April, we have noticed that there's been some different pest pressure early in the season than you might encounter on full season beans planted in May or our double crop beans planted in June. For example, we've seen some kudzu bug pressure early in the season that justified an insecticide application or heavy bean leaf beetle pressure early in the season. So growers just need to be cognizant of that if they're some of the growers planting earliest in their area of the state, you know, you might see some insect pressure that you don't typically see early with soybean planting and just be committed to scouting early in the season so you know what you've got going on out there. 
And the final thing I think that's important for our growers to think about if they're planting earlier than they historically have is what that means on the back end of the season in terms of some of the seed quality issues that can be encountered, especially if you're planting an earlier maturing variety before mid-May, growers really need to be cognizant of how these beans um, can degrade quickly from seed quality issues if they're not harvested timely on the back end of the season. So just be conscientious of that and think about how to adjust your management strategies to get the beans out of the field as quickly as possible. It seems like the last 10 years, maturity groups that people have planted have seemed to be going earlier. So could you talk a little bit about maybe what maturity groups you feel fit best in a full season and then also in a double crop situation? We have been doing a lot of research the past few years on what the optimum maturity group is to use across diverse planting dates. And I want to emphasize that there's definitely some regionality to what the best maturity group is to use. And so this is not a question that can be answered in a couple sentences, but I'll make a few comments. You know, uh, we did this big analysis of yield contest entries across an 18 year period in North Carolina. These entries came from high yielding situations, and we saw that the strongest predictor of high yield across the state of North Carolina was using earlier maturing varieties. But that was in a circumstance where these beans probably encountered limited stress. They were entered into the yield contest, so only high yielding situations. In our small plots where we've been doing research on this, we've seen some differing results to what we've seen from that yield contest analysis. So to date, we've looked at, you know, the best maturity group to use across planting dates in about 11, 12 yield environments across North Carolina. And in our high yielding situations, when you're planting full season beans, let's say in the last two weeks of April, which we're about to start doing here in North Carolina, we've seen the highest yields using a maturity group four and five. In our lower yield environments, in those early planting situations, we've seen comparable yields using four, five, or six. And so I think for our growers in the coastal plain, close to where you are, Jacob, that using a five or six in an early planting situation is definitely a safer bet than using an earlier maturing variety from a seed quality on the back end of the season perspective. So it really depends where you are on the state and what your rotational complexity is as to what the best maturity group would be to use in a full season situation. In a double crop situation, we've been seeing regardless of whether you're in a high or low yield environment, that yields have been pretty comparable between a maturity group four and seven when they're planted in mid-June, even if they're planted out in mid-July. And when, when I came into this position, we were getting a lot of questions from growers about using an indeterminate four in a double crop situation. Would that provide advantages over using a later maturing variety? And what we found so far is that there was really no advantage or disadvantage of using an indeterminate maturity group four in a double crop situation. They've yielded really comparably to the later maturing varieties, which is not what the historical thinking was in North Carolina. It was like, as you delayed planting date, you used a later maturing variety. But so far, you know, in those double crop situations, we've seen that there's a lot of flexibility in what maturity group you use, as long as you're not using a two or three which is just going to not get enough vegetative growth before the beans start to flower. All right, so we talked about maturity groups. So I guess the next biggest uh, 
discussion point among soybean growers is plant populations. So what is your research zone as far as plant populations and should we adjust it depending on the time of the year or environmental conditions? Yeah, that, that's a good question, Jacob. And we are still in the process of summarizing some of our plant population information that we've been generating out of these planting date and maturity group trials over the past few years. So at the time, we are still using the plant population recommendations that were generated by Dr. Dumphy's program. Those are very robust represent a lot of research across North Carolina. And, you know, his data indicates that in May planted full season soybeans, as long as you have a final population of 75,000 plants per acre, you're at maximum yield potential. Of course, you want to plant more than that to ensure that you get that final plant population that's not going to limit yield. And then as you delay planting into June or July, that number of plants per acre that you need to be at max yield potential increases. And all of that data is available in the soybean production guide. But I do anticipate in the next couple of years, we'll have some refined seeding rate recommendations that consider both planting date and maturity group in how we look at these different seeding rate recommendations. So if we've got a lot of acres to get over and it's dry, do you recommend putting out more, uh, you know, increasing 10% on that planting population just so we can get across everything if the conditions aren't ideal for planting? I think in the vast majority of situations, growers in North Carolina plant more seed than, than they need to to maximize yield. And as seed price increases, I do think we need to start thinking about that as an opportunity for cost savings. In our yield contest analysis, in fact, we saw a trend towards higher yields with lower seeding rates. I think especially with some of these indeterminate varieties, there's you know more capacity to branch. So a, a lower seeding rate in some of these high yielding circumstances might uh, actually be an advantage. So I don't know that I'd recommend going X percent over what you normally would, you know, if environmental conditions are adverse, simply because I think in the vast majority of circumstances, we have the seed out there that we need to maximize yield. All right. Uh, planter versus drill. Does it matter? Yeah, that's a good question. And one we've getting, been getting a lot more uh, interest in from growers in North Carolina. So we just started a research trial on this last year. Actually, the technician for my program, Dwight Cawthon, is working on a master's degree. And this is his project looking at drilled versus precision planted soybeans and a couple different maturity groups uh, across some different seeding rates. And we've just got one year of data on that trial, which I'll mention in a moment. But my colleague, Dr. Sean Conley, who's up at the University of Wisconsin-Madison, has done a lot of research in this area. And essentially, they found that it didn't matter for yield, whether you precision planted or drilled soybeans until you got to these really low populations, like 40,000 to 60,000 plants per acre. So that's what they found in a larger data set at, in Wisconsin. Now, the first year we did this in North Carolina, which was last year, we saw some interesting results at our Rocky Mount location. Similar to what Sean saw, we saw no differences between drilled versus precision planted soybeans with the maturity groups five and six, but the maturity group four we looked at actually yielded higher across all seeding rates when it was precision planted. 
So I think that's presumably probably because that maturity group four had higher yield potential and could branch more under more uniform spacing. That was only one environment and one variety, but we're definitely investigating that more and what's the role of precision planted versus drilled in these higher yield environments. So that's something that we're going to look at. And, you know, when I get questions from growers in North Carolina about investing in a new planter, I just want to emphasize that I think some of the largest benefits that growers in North Carolina can get from investing in a new soybean planter is if that facilitates earlier soybean planting than historically has been practiced. So instead of using the same planter they use for cotton or peanuts and then planting their beans in June, if they bought a new soybean planter and, and then could get those beans planted in late April through mid-May, that might have the biggest benefit on actual soybean yield versus the planting mechanism itself. If we're going to drill soybeans, does seven and a half inch rows or 15 inch rows, does that make a difference? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, in our research program, a lot of the row spacings we've been looking at is 15 versus 30 or 15 versus 36. We pretty rarely uh, in recent years have been looking at drilling on seven and a half versus 15s. Some of the data we've collected more recently, for example, from that yield contest analysis indicates that in high yield situations where other optimum production practices are used, like growers are planting early, they're using the right maturity group, it doesn't matter what row spacing that you're using. So I would guess in a lot of our circumstances, it wouldn't matter if you were drilling on seven and a half versus 15 from a yield perspective, as long as you had a handle on weeds. Of course, you know, the seven and a half inch row is going to buy you some benefit from a weed control perspective. Then as you delay soybean planting, into June, late June, early July, the benefit of a narrower row becomes more pronounced. So a seven and a half might be, you know, more beneficial for yield with a July 2nd planting date than it would be with a May 1st planting date. So there is some planning date interactions that play into that question. All right. Now I know a few growers like to put out a couple pounds of nitrogen when they're planting. Uh, other than the fact that nitrogen is like $170,000 a pound right now, is there any benefit to actually putting out nitrogen on soybeans? So there's been a lot of research on this topic done across the United States, less recently done in North Carolina, but some in Virginia and other parts of the United States that has indicated in the vast majority of circumstances putting out nitrogen on soybeans is not economical. So it may increase yield by one to two bushels in some circumstances, but rarely is it economical. And that research was done, you know, let's say five, six years ago before nitrogen prices were really high. So I don't think adding nitrogen to soybeans is an area that we need to be focusing on right now. I do think more aggressive fertility management has a role in achieving higher yields in North Carolina, but nitrogen is likely not the limiting nutrient in many circumstances. Do foliar fungicides pay? And if so, when is the optimal time to put out a foliar fungicide? In this yield contest analysis that we did recently, looking at those almost 900 entries, we did find that foliar fungicide use was one of the strongest predictors of high soybean yield in that analysis. 
analysis. That coupled with our small plot data over the past year where we often see a several bushel per acre yield increase from the use of foliar fungicides in environments where we have disease pressure, I think it would indicate that foliar fungicides are one of the more consistent products that we can apply over the top of soybeans that protect yield based on uh, looking at both of those data sets. Some of the things that we've seen recently is using these multiple mode of action. Foliar fungicides typically have a, a more pronounced yield protection than using single mode of action fungicides. And of course, it matters what the disease pressure is in your environment. I think the major thing that some of these data sets we've had recently on foliar fungicides and their impact on soybean yield in North Carolina indicate is that foliar diseases are a problem in North Carolina soybean production, and we need to be paying attention to that. The best mechanism of defense against these foliar diseases, which are most problematic ones, are frog eye leaf spot and sacospora. The best defense mechanism against those is using a variety that has a strong disease resistance package. Our growers need to start thinking about that when they're selecting their varieties. Not only what are the highest yielding, but what have the disease and nematode packages that we need? What's the herbicide package that the growers need? So that's our, our most critical defense mechanism is using a, a variety that's got some genetic resistance. But if that's not possible in the variety that you're looking for, then I think we need to be cognizant about the environmental conditions, how they're conducive to disease development, and thinking about making these foliar fungicide applications. Because again, in multiple data sets, we've seen foliar fungicides provide considerable yield protection against diseases that we encounter in North Carolina. What's the optimal timing? That's going to really vary on, on what the disease pressure is like in that individual season. Many of our full fungicides are recommended to be applied at R3. Some growers go earlier than that. One thing that we're investigating in the program right now is what's the role of both, a, let's say, early reproductive development foliar fungicide application like R1 and then later reproductive development like R5, what's the role in a later season fungicide uh, application on protecting seed quality? That's something we're, we're investigating right now. So hopefully we'll have some more robust answers about optimal timing in a couple of years. But I think right now, if you look at the data that we've had, it would indicate that growers should be paying attention to foliar diseases in soybeans, if they don't have a strong genetic disease resistance package, think about making a foliar fungicide application if environmental conditions are conducive to some of those diseases. Is there anything else you think we need to discuss as far as early soybean planting or early season management? You know, in soybeans over the last couple of years is the importance of season-long scouting. I think a lot of growers have maybe neglected scouting their beans after the first or second flush of corn earworms came through, but we've been seeing increasing pressure from stink bugs in soybeans over the past few years. And stink bugs do have the capacity to cause some late season issues with seed quality. And so we do want to emphasize the importance of season long scouting in soybeans. I think that's something that our growers need to be committed to in North Carolina to maximize some of these benefits of early planting. 
been maybe using earlier maturing varieties than historically have been. And I will just say for growers, as we get going on plant 22, by far, both in our small plots and often in the yield contest analysis, we've seen that one of the strongest predictors of high soybean yield in North Carolina is just getting your beans planted before June. And if you look at the data, we're still seeing 20 to 30% of our full season beans getting planted in June. Those acres could really benefit from being planted in May or, or late April. And so with high bean prices, of course, growers want to capitalize on as much yield as they can. So let's focus on the basics, getting these beans planted early. And I think that is uh, you know, a key to success here as we move into plant 2022. We certainly appreciate your time today, Dr. Van. Glad to be here, and I wish everybody success as they get going here and safe planting. If you have any questions about early season soybean planting or management, feel free to reach out to your local cooperative extension agent, and they'll be happy to come out and help you. If you like this podcast, please subscribe and leave a five-star review. And as always, thanks for listening to CropSense, because if it isn't making money, it isn't making sense. <laughs>